As you can see from uh, the intro video and the screen behind me, we are starting a new series today called The Power to Change. And we've actually got some books on sale with the same title. This is written by Craig Rochelle. Some of you will be familiar with him. Um, very, very well-known pastor, preacher, author, etc. He writes so easily, like he speaks easily. He's an, he's an easy person to follow, clear, simple, to the point. And so we, we've actually got some of his books on sale for 300 Rand, which I would encourage you to buy, not because you're gonna run ahead in the series, but because it's gonna be additional material. It's gonna be supplementary material. I'm gonna try very hard not to preach the book. Um, there will be some things that, that will be referenced and there'll be some quotes referenced, but the book um, is very much something that you can do standalone. If this is your only day in church and for some reason, I don't know, maybe you're moving to Antarctica tomorrow or whatever, and you have no access to internet, which I think you probably wouldn't Antarctica. So I don't know where you're going that you would have no access, but, but, but grab a book and take with you, um, uh, but also you're not going to be doubling up if you're reading it and attending with us over the next several weeks, but I would encourage you to get a hold of that. Here's the key verse for me for this particular introductory message, and this one is simple, but dangerously so. Like I wanna be careful that you don't miss the significance of, of this foundational uh, introduction and the question that I want to hopefully in a good way haunt you as you go into your week and into the rest of January. And so for me, perhaps one of the most important verses that I can think of, and Jess actually mentioned it by coincidence in the prayer meeting this morning, is Philippians chapter two, verse 13. It says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You can, you can spend quite a bit of time on each of those sections. The fact that God is working in you, if you will allow Him, God's trying to do a work in you. And, and the great news is that he's actually giving us the desire to do what pleases him. But not just that, he's giving us the power to do what pleases him. And not just that, it's the power and the desire to do what pleases him. So there is significance. It's, it's, it's far greater, far broader, far deeper than just our own short-term satisfaction. So here's a question. Imagine for a moment if you had an encounter with God that is undeniable. Okay, this, this might take a bit of effort for many of us, but like once you get past the am I crazy, do they need to call the men in white coats, have I had too much pizza, like, like, like once you become convinced, right, that you actually, that, that, that God is talking to you clearly, like almost in person, right, and he gives you three wishes. What are some of the things that would come to mind? I want you to think about this for a moment, right? You, you've gotten past the, I think I might be crazy part. I think this is actually God, which is something that he did with Solomon, by the way. It's recorded in the Old Testament where he actually said to him, Solomon, like, what do you want? He has, he has a little bit of a blank check for you. What would you like God to do for you, in you, through you over the next year? If God were to offer you three wishes. Now, to help narrow the focus a little bit, there are a few conditions. The, the first, and I know this is gonna suck a little bit for some of us, is that it actually has to line up with his overarching will as revealed in scripture. So it's not just, I wanna be, you know, balling it and, and coining it. No, 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 it's like, I mean, that's fine if it is surrendered to his overarching will. That's condition number one. Condition number two is that it actually uh, cannot uh, it actually has to be limited to doing something in you. In other words, it's not about God controlling someone else. Sorry, for those of you who are like, oh, crap, okay. I'm changing my plan. 
No, no, no. So this isn't about getting God to control someone else. This is something that God can do in you. And then lastly, it has to affect more than you. So think about that for a moment. What would you like God to do for you if he's saying, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm willing, I'm ready, I'm available, I'm willing to do stuff, he had three wishes, but it has to be in submission to his overarching will as revealed in scripture, it has to be something that he does in you, not something that he controls in someone else, and it has to be something that actually over time affects more than just you. What are some of the thoughts that would come to your mind? Because the reality is we all have desires, right? We all have wants. It's not, the question isn't do I have a desire, the question is what is that desire? And in some cases, perhaps an even greater question is what's the desire beneath the desire? What is the want beneath the one? Because it's, it's, it's easy for me to recognize, okay, I've had a stressful day or a stressful week or a stressful season, I just wanna chill out and escape with series um, or social media, whatever the case is, what, or, or a nice chocolate or a drink or a cigar or what, this isn't all me, I'm just saying, like whatever that, whatever that might be for you, although I do enjoy a good cigar, but anyway. Um, so that is a desire, but what's the desire beneath the desire? Because actually the desire beneath the desire is to escape, it's to, it's to find relief, it's to find peace, it's to find um, some, some kind of, of rest so, so, so the desire beneath the desire is good even if the initial desire isn't great, although there's nothing immoral about those things in and of themselves, but I think we need to sometimes think a little bit deeper because too often we're just trying to uh, address and trying to control the desires up here on the surface when God's saying, actually, it's, it's good for us to recognize the deeper ache, the deeper yearning, and, and once we become more concerned with that, we may then change how we give in to some of these other desires, how we give in to some of these other ones. So, so, so for example, I remember recently actually just literally thinking, I just wanna just chill out, I just wanna watch something. And then, and then the thought literally crossed my mind, but do I, want, do I want to relax more or do I want to sleep more? Not just because sleep is great, sleep, like that's not always that easy for me, but do I, do I actually need this or do I need sleep? Because underneath all of that, I'm actually wanting to be fresh tomorrow. I actually want to have a clearer head. I actually want to have energy. I actually want to be able to cope with stress better. I want to be able to cope with responsibilities better. I want to be a more present husband, father, leader. I want to be able to actually enjoy my time with God and him not have to tolerate me being in a grumpy you know, mood. So, 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 I might, so on the one level, I want this, but actually, if I stop and think about it, I want something much deeper. And so recognizing our desires really really make a difference. You might want an education, which is great, but it's good to know why. Because for many, it's, it's, it's almost, we can almost make an idol out of, well, if I fill in the blank, if I can achieve such and such a level, if I can just get that qualification, if I can just get into that university, then, and, and we don't think about this consciously, but subconsciously, like, well, I'm gonna feel a little bit better about myself. You know, like it's nicer to introduce myself as having studied at fill in the blank than the school of hard knocks. You know that? <laughs> Our career, generally speaking, underneath it, we're looking for a sense of purpose. Money in itself, nothing wrong with it. The Bible only warns against the love of money, but underneath it, a lot of the time, we're looking for security. 
our, our appearance. Again, it's good, it's important. I think more often than, than what we even realize, to be healthy, fit, strong. But, but, if that, but if that's for the wrong reason and it's more to be accepted, we can actually do damage. Our relationships, habits, sometimes even expectations of your kids. Make sure that it's wanting to best lead and serve them and that is not to help actually provide some sense of satisfaction or, or validation that you are a good enough person because your kids are able to you know, meet certain criteria and they compare. I know you'd never say this to anybody else, but in your mind, were you thinking, doing better than that? <laughs> or they're not doing as well as and so we want, it, we want it, it's important for us to recognize our desires, but to also go a little bit deeper as to what they actually are and whether or not, whether or not they are leading us in the right direction. We need to beware that covering up our deepest cravings with, we need to beware of covering up our deepest cravings with counterfeits. Because there are more than enough counterfeits to short-term satisfy our desires, our yearnings, our longings, our, we, how many of you know we have many different levels of appetite? And if we don't recognize the counterfeit, we will, we will allow ourselves to be satisfied with the empty calorie counterfeit, which, which, which will actually in a short term sense satisfy our yearning, our aching, but it's not actually going to satisfy our deepest needs. That's kind of the difference between dopamine and serotonin, right? So dopamine is like a quick hit and, and it's quick and easy to, to hit Dopamine, excepting the more we keep uh, doing the same thing, the harder it is to get that same dopamine hit. But it takes a lot longer. It, it requires more patience and perseverance to actually develop serotonin. To actually, in other words, there, there can be short-term pleasure. It's not always the same as long-term joy. Where, where over time, we're developing, we're nurturing peace. We're, we're nurturing joy. We're Nurturing contentment, which is not the same as being complacent. I think, I think people panic at the idea of contentment. It's actually a biblical word. What's not good is complacency. Complacency is where we settle. Complacency is where, is, where we, is, is where we stop fighting for our lives. We stop fighting for our purpose. We stop fighting for, for other people's lives. We stop fighting for what matters most. So I'm not talking about complacency, but, but we can develop contentment, peace, joy over time. So here's the million-dollar question that I'm hoping will haunt you just a little bit, maybe a lot. Over the next few days and maybe even throughout the series and maybe over the next year, here's the question. Do you want to change? Because God offers us power. He's actually doing a work in us. But I think it helps for us to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves the question, do I actually want to change? Because change will almost always come at a cost. Yeah, but Jason, you say it's God's power. It's not only God's power, we actually have to position ourselves for God's power to take effect in our lives, which we'll look at as the series goes on. But sometimes change comes at a cost that, that initially we're not that willing to, to pay. Some of you are familiar with the story recorded in John chapter five, where Jesus comes across a man who's been, who's, been, who's been paralyzed for 38 years. If you've ever watched The Chosen, I can't remember if it was season two or season three, they, they portrayed a, one of the most powerful moments of the whole series, in my opinion, as Jesus in, connects with, engages with this man who's been, who's been carried to and, li, and he's, he's laid at this pool, 
for 38 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. I love how they show him looking up at Jesus. Jesus looking at him with love. And it says in verse six, John chapter five, verse six, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now that might actually sound like an insensitive question where it's like, duh, surely he does. Obviously he does. Aren't you being, come on, in 2024, that is so politically incorrect. That's so insensitive. It's so triggering. There's gonna be trauma. There's like, like there's, gonna be, there's gonna be all kinds of stuff, okay? Is it possible though that Jesus was actually loving him? when he asked him, do you want to? Because, because his identity would change. He would no longer be someone that can just receive, 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 receive. He would actually have to now take responsibility. Wait, you're able-bodied, you can contribute. You can carry some weight. You're, you're not just going to be the, oh, shame, victim anymore. You're actually gonna have to like, you're actually gonna have to participate and contribute. Do you want to change? Now, I have no idea what area comes up in your mind as you think about this, but it could be your marriage, and, and, and your first answer, if you've been honest with yourself, might be, I don't know, because I feel like that could take a lot of effort, and I actually don't even know if he's worth it or she's worth it. I'm so sick and tired of it. That's, by the way, being honest, God only meets us in honesty. God doesn't need us to filter and to sanitize. God's not shocked when you're honest. We're shocked when we're honest. If you're saying, God, I actually don't know. I think, I think God leans in. Or, or maybe it is your health and you know that slowly but surely you're allowing your energy and your, and your ability to cope with stress and responsibility to, to, to dissipate. And you're saying, I don't know that I want to actually, it's gonna take a lot. Or maybe it's becoming a better steward of your finances. It's like, that means I'm gonna have to say no to some stuff. Take a lot, he's such a good friend. <laughs> Superbulous is such a good friend. In fact, the whole internet is just such a great friend right now. <laughs> Maybe it's certain friendships that you know if you're gonna actually flourish and be healthy that you're gonna have to move away from. The question is, do you want to change? Do you want to be well. Do you want to put the work in that it's gonna to take to develop the character that you know deep down God has in, in store for you? Where you, where, where you stop making excuses and you're saying, God, you are able to make me someone that is patient instead of that person that everyone else knows as the guy that just don't trigger him because he's gonna lose his temper. He's gonna fly off the handle. He, he gets stuff done, but there's a wake of people left behind him or behind her. Do you want to change, because here's the encouragement, Philippians 2 verse 13, God is working in you. God is working in you. My, my hope is that even just in these moments, if, if, you haven't, if you're not already aware of this or sensitive to this, that maybe there's just, just some, some spikes, so not like a negative trigger, like a positive trigger of, actually, to, yeah, God, you are trying to do something in me. God is working in you. He's giving you the desire to do what pleases him. I just think so often our desires are distracted and, and we're satisfying them with the wrong things that, that we don't recognize those truer, deeper desires. What is the desire that God is trying to give you? Maybe, maybe a practical step for you. Maybe if you do nothing else over the next season, 
Maybe if the only thing you do is remove some of the things that you know uh, numb and anesthetize your, your, your desires, your conscience. Maybe it's just actually cutting some stuff out. Maybe you don't have to add a single thing. Maybe it's just cutting some stuff out to actually allow some of your God-given deepest desires to come to the surface. God gives you the power to do what pleases Him. And that is what we're gonna be looking at over this series. The power to change. This isn't just if you want it badly enough, you can do it. I hate that statement. If you just believe it enough, you can, are you mad? It doesn't matter how much I'd want to, I could never win the 100 meter sprint at the Olympics, okay? <laughs> I might be able to run 100 meters, but I wouldn't be able to win the 100 meters. Like, like you can't just do it if you, now, belief plays a big role, effort plays a massive role, but, but this isn't just if you can just dig deeper, if you can just will yourself more. That's a part of it, and we'll unpack that. But there's a part that only we can do, and then there's a part that only God can do. And I wanna encourage you that he gives you, he's doing a work in you, he gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases you. You're struggling with your temper, is it possible that if you wake up every morning saying, God, help me, help me to recognize it before, before it even happens. Help me, help me God, to, 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 to leave home at peace, to, to leave early so that I can travel slowly, so that I don't arrive at the office ready to kill somebody. I'm gonna get enough sleep, I'm gonna get enough exercise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch what I eat, I'm gonna watch what I drink, I'm gonna do everything I can so that at least on a physical, natural level, my, 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 my central nervous system is not, I'm not gonna be drinking 16 cups of coffee before I go into the office. God, I'm doing what I can, but will you help me to love people more? Will you help me to value people more than just progress and, and that I can somehow manage those tensions? Is it possible that God can give you the power to do what pleases you this year? I think it is. I do want to point out to you two things, by the way, that stood out to me in this passage. The first is that Paul is writing this from prison. He's not writing this from his beach villa in the south of France with, with, with attendants on hand. He's writing this from prison. If there's anybody that has an excuse to feel like a victim, it's Paul. Shipwrecked multiple times, beaten up multiple times, left for dead, beaten up so badly, stoned with rocks, just, and then he cares about people, he cares about the church. He, Paul has gone through more, in fact, in fact, do yourself a favor and read the first chapter and the piece going up to what we're reading here in Philippians 2 verse 13. In fact, you can just go on and carry on reading. Because it gives you a far greater context when you realize just, in fact, Paul, Paul just, just before this, he's writing, you know what? Sometimes it's a, it's a tension because I, like, to actually just die would be amazing because I'd go to be with Jesus. Ah, but because I love you guys, I want to stay and, and I can be more fruitful. But, oh, to be with Jesus would be amazing. Oh, but, to, but, like, I, I still want to achieve everything that God wants me to achieve before I cross over. He's not writing from some ivory tower. He's not writing from some, from behind a computer having done years of research, he's writing as someone that is practicing the way of Jesus. He's, he's writing as someone that is, that is dealt with hurt and hatred, betrayal, people that are wanting to kill him. In fact, by the way, the people that wanted to kill him were his colleagues. Yeah. They were the people that he used to do life with. I don't know if they're bride, but if he bride, he would have bride with the people that are now trying to kill him. <laughs> you, you think you've been betrayed? You think you've been, I mean, how many people that you did life with are trying to kill you? or have literally picked up rocks and thrown them at your head. I'm just saying, Paul, Paul, Paul's not standing up here preaching, living a comfortable life. He's in prison, and he's writing 
with, with authority. Hey, hey, God is doing a work in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases you. And then secondly, I do want to point out that he's writing to believers. He's writing to people that are following Jesus. He's not, again, as Sue mentioned a few times in the service, this, there's nothing superstitious about this. Is, this, isn't, this isn't do your own thing and if you just pray the right prayer or use the name Jesus or, you know, just, just tick some boxes that God's power just achieves everything that he wants to know. It begins with us actually following Jesus. And so if you're not following Jesus, then, then that's the invitation. That's the invitation right there. There's no condemnation. There's an invitation. Jesus is saying, I want to be with you. I want you to know me. I want you to know my love. I want you to know my forgiveness. There's nothing that you can add to what I did at the cross. I love you. I want you. I see you. You matter. You belong. You're invited. But then he leaves us with a choice. And so we actually choose to accept that forgiveness. We begin to trust because trust is a journey. If, if people tell you that it's just this magical thing they're lying to you, trust is a journey. It takes time. I think we confess our need for him. And then we simply do the next right thing. Do the next right thing that you know to do. Don't try and figure out the next 40 years, 20 years, 12 months. Just what's the next right thing that you know to do? Notice I'm not talking about do you want to be a Christian because you can call yourself a Christian and that mean nothing. I'm talking about following Jesus, where you are surrendering your life to him increasingly. And just so you know, in case this isn't obvious, God's desires might not always be your desires. And I'll give you three guesses as to who wins. <laughs> I mean, at least who should win. I guess we have a choice as to who wins, but, but just so you know, God's desire should trump our desire. Do you want to change? The reason that this is important is because the verse just before our key verse for today, verse 12, says, dear friends, you always, this won't be up on the screen and it won't be on the Bible app. You always followed my instructions when I was with you and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Verse 12, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Verse 13, God's doing a work in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Work hard to bear fruit, to, to, to allow God to do what only he can do because he's working in you. In fact, the chapter before, one, chapter one, verse six, he says that I am convinced that God is faithful, that he's able to complete the good work that he began in you. God's not the variable. We are the variable. And so it's important that we answer the question for ourselves, and you might not be able to do it now. You might have to give it some thought in the week ahead. Do I want to change? And I think you'd help yourself a great deal if you were willing to go a little bit further and say, why? Because your why, in some cases, needs to be bigger than your what. The what you want to change. The why you want to change has to matter because, as Craig Rochelle puts it, we're often going to have to choose what we want most over what we want now. That's discipline. Choosing what we want most over what we want now. When, when you, and and I, know, I know while you're here for the next few minutes, this is like an easy place to resist temptation, but in 10 minutes' time, you're going to walk out of here. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up to, how many of you noticed that 2024, you woke up you? 
Anybody a little bit disappointed? <laughs> like, we kind of just hope, right, that as, as the year turns over, it's like, it's a new page, new me. And then you realize it's the old you. And, and unless something changes, nothing changes. Right? Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. So, so we're not saying that it'll be easy. I'm not saying that you won't still have desires and temptations. I'm, I'm trying to get you just to lift your eyes a little bit more to ask yourself, what do I really want? If you think a year from now, if you think five years from now, if you think 10 years from now, what do I actually want? What do I want most? Because if I can keep my eyes on what I want most, I might be able to say no to what I want now. I might be able to say no to the short-term desire so that I can actually hang into or hang on for the long-term desire. And in my opinion, this is tough. Like if we're actually trying to change something that's been ingrained in us for many, many years. It can be tough to change our attitude. It can be tough to change our mindset. It can be tough to change your relationship. It can be tough to go from being a, a kind of sheltered employment worker who you know that with labor law and everything nowadays, it's, it's almost impossible to get rid of you, so you can do the bare minimum, to actually saying, hold on, I need to work for my boss, whether I like her or not, like him or not, as though I'm working for God, to change from, from getting by with the bare minimum to actually working diligently and, and proactively and showing initiative, even if people don't like it, that's hard. To, to, to stop uh, hoping that your spouse will never leave you because they're Christians, to actually saying, you know what, loyalty is not the same as intimacy. And so I'm not gonna settle for loyalty well, they have to stick with me, like God says so, which doesn't work very well, to actually, God, how? How do I nurture intimacy? And that takes two people, just to be, I mean, just to be clear, yeah. right? That takes two people willing to and wanting to. And, but, but do I want to change? Do I want to? Again, you might have heard this statement, you can make excuses, you can make progress, you can't do both. So am, do I want to change? Do I want to change? And here's the last question. But the most important one is, do you want to? Yeah. But here's the last question, which is really important. Is what is God inviting you to in 2024? Notice the word inviting. God's not going to dominate you. He's not going to manipulate you. He's not going to, he's not going to force you. It's an invitation. What is God inviting you to? Where is he wanting you to, to lift your eyes, to, to believe for a little bit more? And we'll unpack, it's so hard for me not to run ahead, just so you know, right now, you, this is a picture of self-control, okay? <laughs> just so you know, nobody knows how much I'm having to like hang into not going into the next six weeks, okay? Uh, and I forgot what I was saying, but <laughs> can we actually dare to to lift our eyes. And he has an encouraging verse here. Again, it's not on the screen, it won't be in the notes. But this, is, this has kept me probably, I'd say, for the last 29 years. So since I was 10. <laughs> Psalm 37, verse four. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or, or put another way, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or put another way, find your joy in him and in what matters to him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Put really simply, if you make it your priority to want what God wants, he'll give you what you want. Because what you want is what he wants. And he wants you to have what you want, which is what he wants. 
So, so instead of starting with, I just need to dig deeper, I just need to try harder, I would encourage you to actually loosen the grip a little bit, which is, by the way, what that phrase means to be still in Psalms, to be still and know that I'm God. It means to, to give up the grip, to loosen the grip. It's a posture of surrender. In fact, why not you stand with me, please? Let's practice this. Eyes closed. Can I encourage you just to actually make a really tight fist? Fists, if you have two hands, let them be both. Eyes closed, fists tight. Before you loosen the grip, I want you to actually just give some thought to, God, is there anything that you are inviting me to, to give up the grip on where I'm actually gonna trust you? God, is there a relationship? Is there a habit? Is there an addiction? Is there, is there an attitude? Is there a victim mentality? Is there, a, is there an identity issue that, that I've fought so hard to hold on to, but that you're actually wanting me to open my hands towards God? God, where are you asking me to be still, to wait on you, to trust you, to, to slowly let go? God, help me to recognize the invitation your, your unique invitation to me this year. And as you have any sense of what that might be, I wanna encourage you just to, just to kind of undo your hands a little bit, just to loosen the fist, loosen the grip. Loosen the grip as you surrender that area to God. And for those of you that have no idea what that might be, I've got great news for you. That can be your starting point. God, give, help me one to one to trust you. God, help me one to give me the desire to desire what you desire. I've been there, just for what it's worth. There've been times in my life where I'm like, God, I know I should care more about this or care more about that, but right now I don't. Would you help me? Give me the desire to care more about this thing, this, this area, this part of my life than, than what I do right now because I, I believe it should be more. I don't think this is what it should be. Give me the desire to desire what you want.